Bob Chamberlain is joining us now. Mr. Chamberlain is the chair of the First Nations Wild Salmon Alliance, here to talk to us about a couple of stories, uh, not the least of which is the concerns uh, in terms of revision of return of sockeye estimates. The estimates were revised a couple of weeks ago, and they were uh, divided basically by half, which is not good news. And this accompanied by a headline in this morning's Vancouver Sun. Uh, here it is. Signs of sockeye salmon poaching abound, though Fraser River remains on. Off limits. Here to talk more about it, Bob Chamberlain. Good morning, sir. Welcome back to the show. Well, good morning, Sterling. Thank you for having me. Well, these are not good news stories to have you back. Now, Bob, you and I have had happier conversations in the past, but uh, unfortunately, a lot of our chat tends to focus on revisions of estimates, estimates that uh, start off uh, wildly optimistic and then upon further consideration and deliberation are revised and in this case cut almost by half. Were you surprised by the revision a couple of weeks ago? Well, no, not too surprised because I've been following the, the numbers from DFO throughout the summer and to see the projections being as high as they were and then river conditions impacting runs such as the early Stewart. But the interesting thing is, of course, we've had a 60% reduction in the Fraser River sockeye returns, yet up in the Skeena River and on the west coast, the Somas and the interior, we have o- and the Okanagan run. They are, you know, 50, 60% higher return. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, for, for my examination and understanding, uh, those runs do not have to run the gauntlet of fish farms uh, that were in place when these uh, small salmon left for the river. Of course, this is a correlation and not proof, but still, it does beg for the government to continue on with its path of uh, closing out uh, open net fish farms, in my opinion. So, by the way, in terms of that long-range plan, and we've talked about this many times in the past, in terms there was a long-range plan to close all of those uh, uh, open pen fish farms uh, off the B.C. coast by 2025. Is that still in the works? Well, the government has now begun its transition planning uh, exercise. And I've had communication with senior officials in the minister's office this past week uh, because the experience that I've had reported to me from four different First Nations and two different NGOs is that the meetings are very much targeted and steering towards an outcome that doesn't reflect the minister's statements. Um, I refer to them as buffalo jump uh, questions and guidance where it appears that there's a predetermined outcome. And I'm really grateful that the minister's staff and the minister herself have requested all of the documents to review and to make changes to ensure that it's consistent with the mandate letter that she has from the prime minister. Let's talk a little bit, if we can, also about the other story that it's kind of a dual duty you're doing today, Bob, responding, first of all, to the revision of those estimates on sockeye. But then this morning, the sun is all on about the sockeye salmon poaching. The Fraser River is off limits, and yet there is a consistent reporting of abundant evidence that poaching continues uh, to the point where uh, groups like yours and the BC Wildlife uh, uh, Federation are becoming involved uh, and basically basically all asking the same question, where on earth is the Department of Fisheries in all of this? Well, I think, uh, I don't know of this article, and I'm not sure exactly what's being reported, uh, but the word poaching, I think when we consider Aboriginal rights and uh, food security, uh, there are nations that do not uh, agree with having to issue a DFO food fish permit. And this is a very fundamental uh, difference from some that have AFS agreements, Aboriginal fish strategy agreements, or um, Aboriginal Aquatic Resource Management Agreement. Okay. So 
I'm unclear about exactly what it is that is being deemed poaching, or is it simply an exercise of an Aboriginal right uh, not encompassed within the DFO's mechanisms of control? And the uh, the folks over at the uh, Watershed Watch uh, Salmon Society, Greg Taylor, who's been a guest here many times, talking about the fisheries department, so far at least, taking a hands-off uh, enforcement approach because probably they just don't have the resources to even begin. Well, I think, Greg, uh, his comments would be fair uh, when you consider that the reductions and the slashing of budgets for important and critical work of what Canadians expect from the Department of Fisheries and Oceans but, you know, we, this extends to the whole range of things, whether it's science, whether it's accurate numbers counting. I know up in the Broughton Archipelago, they do helicopter counts. And that's, you know, the most, there is a more effective way, but they just don't provide resources to do that. You know, like in, up in the Ata River, uh, as we spoke of before, we now have over 6,000 pinks returning when there was 200 a few years ago. Right. So seeing some evidence in our minds that uh, removing fish farms is something that will promote uh, a greater opportunity for salmon to return in the numbers that people would expect them to. One of the other things that you and I have talked about, and I'm curious is if you heard any any further development on this, is this is the returning BC salmon to their rivers and points of origin here up and down our BC coast being intercepted by the Alaska fishery to an enormous uh, degree uh, to the point where some enforcement has been recommended by Canadian fishers uh, simply to, to, to achieve some kind of open ocean balance. Are you aware of any change in that condition these days? Uh, I think with the decision that the Alaskans made or the Americans made in terms of the abundancy of salmon returns was higher than what the Canadian government would accept. And so that'll, that gave them their footing to allow an opening, which of course would intercept Canadian salmon. Sure. This is extremely troubling because as, as it's been said to me, there is one specific area that they could close and not fish that would allow salmon to return in greater abundancy to Canada. And I think that this is something that has to take on an international level. And I think that Canada needs to ensure that First Nations are there speaking from rights, not privilege, and being able to assert uh, the sovereignty that is uh, identified in the Supreme Court of Canada rulings and to ensure that our Aboriginal rights are protected and not... uh, able to be adjusted by the Americans. Are you aware, Bob, of any negotiations underway at any level between Canada and the United States or British Columbia and Alaska? Hardly uh, likely because it's an international issue, but nonetheless, between the two countries with respect to quotas and observing uh, any kind of uh, courtesies with respect to each other's fishery? Well, I think as far as the, the Pacific Salmon Commission, but I think Canada needs to take a look at how it represents itself on this topic internationally, uh, given the Aboriginal rights that are that are a reality, a legal reality here in Canada, and definitely an inherent right. And then we could start to see folks that have a greater interest in longevity of salmon runs and abundance rather than just a commercial viability, which eats away at the uh, sustainability of runs. So we would have a, a more fulsome argument, a, uh, a more fulsome engagement to ensure that salmon return for all the needs of British Columbians in Canada. Uh, sort of expand the horizon uh, a few years out, right? Well, I think, yeah, I, I think that, you know, if Canada was to fulsomely embrace the, the Constitution and fulsomely embrace uh, Supreme Court law and, and ensure that Aboriginal rights are spoken to at every level, even if it's internationally. But it would only strengthen the argument to have closures, which would see greater runs and over a longer time frame, see, hopefully, to see 
uh, runs rebound back to hit more historic levels. Interesting stuff, Bob. You know, the minister will talk more about Joyce Murray and her role in all of this next time. We do appreciate every time you join us and uh, update us on the condition of our very important B.C. fishery. Thanks for this. Well, thank you. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.